1: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now, here's your host, Chad Dotson.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 309 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week for another scintillating edition of the podcast, the J Man, Jason Linden. How are you, Jay?
1: I'm great, and it is always scintillating when I'm on, isn't it, Chadwick?
0: It is. You like my new nickname for you? The J-Man? Sure. I can, <laughs> I can roll with it. It's better than what your students call you. <laughs>
1: let's,
0: let's not get into that. I want to keep my job. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, so anyway, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds here. And not a ton of uh, new uh, news to discuss, but we do have something fun planned here, I think. As we continue on with the podcast, but let's begin with what little news was in the the week that was. First of all, we talked last week about Pedro Strop, and it's now official. The Reds uh, put ink to the contract. Pedro Strop a one year deal worth one point eight two five million dollars. I was, uh, I, it seemed to me like a pretty good uh, low risk, high reward. Like well, low risk, you know, million eight. It's there's a, a lot of beans.
1: Don't, don't you wish that you could? <laughs> Or to risk a $1.8 million chance. Yeah,
0: really. Uh, but, uh, you know, he seems like a reasonable bounce back type candidate because he's been really good in the past. You know, I, say, I always say hope's not a strategy, and it's certainly not. And I guess you kind of are hoping a little bit here that he's okay. If he's not, well, they're out $1.8 million, but uh, it's just a one year deal. Uh, so I'm, I'm good with it. And uh, I'm eager to find out what Jason Linden's opinion is on Pedro Strope.
1: I think it's great. I think it's a great signing. Everything I've seen is that you know he didn't he didn't have the kind of injuries last year that are the we are officially concerned about the future of his career. It seemed to be just one of those injuries, one of those years that guys have sometimes where they get a couple little things and he doesn't. Nothing seems to be career hindering. So uh, I, I love it as a move. I think it's an excellent uh, an excellent like you said low risk signing uh, that helps really give some somebody uh, the bullpen is perhaps the one spot on the team that isn't overflowing with established talent. Um, and so it's it's nice to have somebody who's a little bit established to to drop in there. Are,
0: are you like me? I feel myself every time we talk talk about pitchers, I kind of give them a, a Derek Johnson boost a little bit, you know, a little ratings boost on their uh, MLB The Show uh, rating because of Derek Johnson being there. I don't know. I just think, well, okay, if the guy has anything left in him, maybe our guy DJ will get it out of him. I, yeah, I, I, I talent. yeah, I would agree with that. So I don't know, but anyway, now what—that's interesting. We talked about that some last week, the stroke deal. But what's really I think a more interesting topic of conversation right now, and we do have a question about it later. But I want to talk about uh, the two guys that well before we before we talk about the two guys that have lost their spots on the forty-man roster. I, I want to get your opinion on uh, Nick Castellanos because again we've talked about him here, but I've not talked to you about Castellanos. We talked about him certainly before he was actually signed. What are your thoughts on him and, and how he fits into this? 2020 Reds
1: team? Um, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the signing, um, you know, especially given what was on the market. Um, as, I, as he got signed and I kind of was digging into it, the one thing that stood out to me is that he has this reputation of being like a, a defensive, just a butcher in the outfield, right? Yes. But, you know, the, the more I looked at it and I didn't realize this because I just don't track the American league as closely as I track the national league, but 2018 was his first year in the outfield and he was terrible and then last year he was i don't know fine like not a disaster not great but not a disaster either in the outfield so i think that maybe people are i don't want to say underrating his defense because he's unlikely to be good but perhaps being a little bit harder on him than he deserves defensively um and i I mean it's a good signing and it's another bat um and you know my goodness there's there should be platoons flying all over the place in the outfield this year.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of good options for uh, manager David Bell, and so I'm really eager to see how that plays out and, and, and where the where the at-bats go and how things are uh, are divvied up. Now, to sign Castellanos and Pedro Strope, the Reds had to make room on their 40-man roster, and to do that they designated a couple of players for assignment. The first was Jose Siri, outfielder Jose Siri, he was ultimately uh, claimed by the Seattle Mariners and Sal Romano was designated for assignment as well. And, uh, more has not been waived at the time we are uh, recording this, but I would not be surprised if Sal Romano were claimed by someone else. So Sal Romano, Jose Siri, are you losing sleep over losing either of those guys?
1: Uh, more so Sal than Siri. Um, you know, it's it's funny to me. I don't know. It's Jose Siri is it's weird because I feel like that there's probably a solid overlap of the Venn diagram of people who think that Aristides Aquino should not be on the roster slash still needs to prove himself, and people who are real mad that Jose Siri's Siri is gone. I feel like there's some overlap there, and that's got the silliest overlap in the world. I mean. Jose Siri just he was fine. He had a couple of decent campaigns, but boy, I mean, if you got issues with Aquino's peripherals, whoo, yeah, you know,
0: yeah, Siri's a toolsy guy, you know, and uh, one of these is projectable, maybe, and he had some some success, certainly, um, some raw power, but uh, to to really descri- to explain what my uh, reasoning is for why I don't on Siri specifically, we'll talk about Rolando in just one moment. Uh, why I don't really have a problem with uh, Siri being uh, cut is this. It's a question that came comes uh, from our Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio from Stephen Offenbaker, uh, and yes, it's safe for you to ask a question this week, Stephen. And his question was this: With Romano and Siri being uh, designated for assignment, I keep hearing having too many good players is a great problem to have. I see this more as a final of a final purge of the failed Walt jockety led rebuild. The question I have is, do you foresee having to give away any more once prospect players for free, or is the purge complete? Now, we'll talk about that in a moment, but uh, his, his follow-up is, thoughts on uh, why they uh, de- designated for assignment Romano and Siri, but kept Scott Shebler. That's what I want. My point was, uh, guys like Scott Shebler and Mark Payton, they kept uh, those guys instead of Jose Siri when they made the decision to, uh, or were able to sign it. Cassianos had to make the decision on who to uh, remove from the roster. And, and my opinion is, which of those guys is more likely to be a, a good bench bat if you have to call somebody up in 2020? I mean, I think it's Shebler clearly. He's performing. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, no doubt. Right. So, uh, 2020, 2021. Uh, you know, Scott Shebler is a guy that can help the team if you have to have him. Siri, uh, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's but yeah. You know, I, I prefer to keep the guy that can uh, provide some depth and can, if you bring him up, he's probably not going to kill you in a, uh, in a backup role. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. I,
1: yeah, I would agree with that entirely. And, you know, I think there are several things with, with Scott Schebler. Um, you know, for one, it's still, I mean, spring training hasn't started yet and you always want to come in with a few more guys than you need because stuff happens. Uh, and it's possible for one or two things to happen. And all of a sudden Scott Schebler is, you know, maybe the last man on the bench. Right. Um, if that doesn't happen, he'll he'll have to be, you know, he'll have to be DFA too. He doesn't have any options left. Um, but you know he's, and also I mean I saw somebody on Twitter say something about maybe showing other teams that he's healthy and and work some sort of small time trade and you know that's a possibility as well. Uh, what it comes down to, frankly though, is that Siri has a way to ways to go, and he's already in his you know he's mid twenties. He's twenty four now. He'll be this will be his age twenty five season. Um, no, I'm sorry. It'll just barely be his age twenty four season. Anyway. Um, He's got a ways to go before anyone believes that he's ready for the major leagues. Whereas Schebler, I think everybody understands that he has a potential use in the major leagues. So, and this is a team that's, that's here to win now. And I mean, what was Siri like? God, ninth or 10th on the outfield depth chart. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to play this year. He's not going to play probably next year in the major leagues, best case scenario. So now we'll answer the rest of Steven's question in a moment, but Sal Romano is the other part I want to talk about. And I'm like you, uh, you know, these things happen, and uh, I can't disagree with Cincinnati's decision to designate Sal Romano for assignment. But of the two, he's the one that I, I wish they could have figured out a way to, to, to keep him around. Mostly, and Not that he's been great or anything, and he, he never has been, but he still has a live arm. Uh, yeah, He's 26, going to be 26, I guess, this season, out of options as well. He was a guy that I thought might uh, fight for the uh, Robert Stevenson Memorial spot in the bullpen, uh, no-option spot in the bullpen this year, uh, just cause he has such a, such a big arm, but what are you going to do? I mean, you know, you, you can't, you can't keep everyone. And do you uh, lend any credence to, to Steven's, uh, uh, you know, this is the, the final purge of the failed Walt Jockety led rebuild.
1: No, like, I mean, I don't, I am I mean, what is that? He, I mean, <laughs> are we going to purge Luis Castillo? Wasn't he part of that too? I, I,
0: it sounds like, it sounds like a, the plot for a really uh, bad horror movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that this is all of the decisions now have been made on that crop of starters that many of whom turned into relievers. Um, but that that came along and a lot of them didn't pan out. Um, I think in other circumstances, I think Sal would be kept around because of the arm. Um, I think that he's got potential. I'm, I'm sure that he will latch on with somebody he's not seeing the last of his big league time. I'm a hundred percent certain about that. I agree. Um, but in, in, it's just a matter of, there are a lot of guys fighting for that out of options, Robert Stevenson, Memorial bullpen spot, and you can only have so many people.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, Romano's not like when we talk about the, the failed rebuild and I think that it largely, it was you know 90% failed. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not sure you can include Romano in in the the moves that were made for the rebuild. I mean, he was a 23rd round draft pick, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and he made it to the big league. So he that's actually a success of the of the drafting philosophy, if you want to look so, at it that way.
1: Standing is he was drafted so low because people weren't sure that he would be signed.
0: Right. He
1: he got a pretty he got a second or third round style draft bonus, I believe.
0: Exactly. But I'm saying you have you have to sort of count that as a success of the yeah yeah. Uh, rebuild because they got a guy that late that has that kind of talent and he did get to the big leagues. Uh, you know, if you got a signing bonus in line with a second or third rounder, then, you yeah. know, how many second or third rounders actually make it to the big leagues? You know, not all of them, certainly. So,
1: you know, it's it's a, it, that's definitely a fair point.
0: Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I hate to see him go. I wish the Reds could have figured out a way to keep him around, but you know, good luck to him because he does still have a live arm. And I'm like, you, he will end up somewhere he'll, I, he, I could see him latching on somewhere and at least being in a bullpen all season long this year for someone. I mean, he's he's got that kind of talent. Um, so, I don't know.
1: I, I, heartedly. I still wouldn't be surprised, frankly, to see him catch on as the starter somewhere. Uh, I think he was shifted to the bullpen more out of necessity than anything else for the Reds.
0: Um, all right.
1: but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I could see him being like a fifth starter or a, a sort of swing guy for somebody. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if some team needs a fifth starter, that could do worse than Sal Romano, frankly. So, And I, I hope he does, as long as it's not in the National League Central. Other news yeah. of the week, Marcelo Zuna, you remember him? I do remember him. The report, you know, he signed with the Atlanta Braves for a one-year deal, I think worth $18 million, if I remember correctly. And there's some news. You know, we knew heard at the time that Cincinnati was one of the teams that were offering him a, a multi-year deal. And according to John Heyman, and I say it every, every time we mention his name, take it with a grain of salt. But according to John Heyman, the Reds offered him a three-year deal, for $50 million. Now, you remember, this was before the Castellanos signing. So they made a pretty strong, seems to me anyway, a pretty strong uh, pitch to Ozuna. And uh, he chose, I guess, better on himself on a one-year deal, hoping to get a better better contract next year. Uh, would you prefer Ozuna to Castellanos?
1: No, I would prefer Castellanos to Ozuna.
0: Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it. And, and, and maybe it's just because Castellanos wears a red uniform now. But... Uh, I, I yeah, he's younger. He's got so much uh, upside in terms of his power moving away from uh, Detroit and away from uh, you know some of the, some of the big bigger ballpark he's played in to play 81 of his games at uh, Great American Ballpark. He's healthy. He he's had one year where he didn't play basically every game whereas Ozuna, you know, has had the shoulder issues. So, I don't know. I like Ozuna. I feel like Ozuna's healthy. He's got a chance of being a pretty good player. I don't mind the Reds pursuing a guy like that. But I yeah. think probably Castellanos is a better bet uh, for the next three years or four years. Presume you can keep Castellanos for that long.
1: Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. I think I think he's the better bet overall. A little bit younger too, I believe, isn't
0: he? He's younger, yeah. But here's the question yeah. I have though uh, for for you: the risk is still get Ozuna actually, because what if Castellanos uh, opts out after this year? Were you did you find the uh, the contract situation interesting with Castellanos? My take on it was it looked like a pretty creative way to get a uh, an impact free agent in here and you know that the reds may have had to uh, give a little bit uh, to be a little creative to get him to, in here we we'll give him that uh, the opt-out uh, clauses give me thoughts on the contract i think
1: it's interesting with the with the opt-outs it's kind of it gets him maybe a little bit of a bargain for this season um but then you know i don't know it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if the reds are really good is he going to opt it out even if he has a good year i, I don't know we'll see Um, But, you know, it also is one of those deals where if, say, he has a down year, the Reds can easily talk themselves into still wanting him around because he's young enough that you assume that a down year is going to be just that, a down year, um, instead of establishing sort of a new norm for him, like it might be the case if he were in his 30s.
0: Yeah, I think that um, Chris Garber made the comment that I really agree with here, which is for him to opt out after one year, he has to have had a monster year. And hey, that's pretty good for the 2020 Reds, you know? Yeah, that's not bad. I'll take that. And if the Reds have to, you know, take that money they were going to give to him and go somewhere else afterwards, well, okay, we'll we'll do that. But at least you've gotten one great year at a pretty reasonable price out of uh, out of right field. So I'm 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 all for it. I've, the more I think about the Castellanos sign, the more I like it. Um, what other news? Uh, the USA Today. This is evidently one of these they, they call them newspapers. And um, some of you will remember those. I remember those, Chad. I remember them fondly. Um, can I tell you about the, a newspaper story? Tell me about a newspaper story. When uh, last week, or maybe it's been two weeks ago, someone that's uh, related to my in-laws, I'm not sure exactly who it was, they purchased a building uh, in the town next to ours. And that building evidently formerly housed a warehouse for the local newspaper here. And somehow through some series of, uh, I don't know how it came into their hands, but they found a uh, a supplement from the, uh, the the newspaper during my senior year of high school where they had like a preview of the local high school basketball season. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Great picture of me wearing my uh, short shorts. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Had a picture of uh, my brother.
1: We need to get that online.
0: <laughs> I may. I'll have, I have it. My uh had my brother bless his heart he was he's younger than me and uh he was i guess probably a, a sophomore that year and um they had his picture with is his first year on the on the varsity team and uh they put they put somebody else's name under it and so we've been laughing at him this week yeah as my poor, as you, my poor yeah. brother so anyway that's my newspaper story for the week wasn't that exciting it was, was that the definition of scintillating
1: that was scintillating Podcasts,
0: <laughs> podcast gold. Well, this newspaper called the USA Today has evidently come up with their predictions. I don't know how they did it, but uh, predictions for how the 2020 season will play out, and they had the Reds at 85 and 77, and uh, and in the wild card, it's one of the wild card spots. So, uh, 85 and 77 and a wild card. That actually sounds fairly reasonable to me. I could see them doing better than that. I could see them doing worse than that. But that, that sounds yeah. pretty reasonable, doesn't it?
1: It does. You know, I, I saw that too. And, and the thing that struck me is odd about it. And I think that this is going to be, this is one of those things that everybody should be aware of and needs to be thought about is that it had the Reds and the Cardinals and the Brewers kind of closely sandwiched together. And I think everyone is overrating the Brewers and underrating the Cubs. Um, they're looking at those win totals from last year and they're not looking at the run differentials. And I think that the Brewers are not a concern because the Brewers have not gotten better at all.
0: Yeah, I don't see it.
1: And I think that the Cubs, are, while they haven't necessarily gotten better, haven't really gotten worse either. And they,
0: um, and they still have some upside, it seems to me, because they've got some really talented guys that if they come yeah. together, you know, they could really be the Cubs again. Yeah.
1: I mean, the Cubs were on track to hit the playoffs, and then they just fell on their faces at the end of the season last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, who doesn't love to watch oh, that happen? so good. But I'm telling, I'm telling everybody out there, the Brewers are not who you need to be concerned about. You need to be concerned about the Cubs and the Cardinals.
0: I look at uh, that Brewers roster, and I see, you know, Yelich, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not that enthused about it, and they've really not gotten better either. That's
1: about it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Go Reds. That's my opinion. Go Reds. Now, the uh,
1: – Fun to play the Pirates eighteen times this year. Oh man, that's gonna be great!
0: Pirates minus Clint Hurdle. So, the topic of the podcast today. Time to get into our main topic, which is it's time for some predictions. Jason, let me see if you have you want to you want to do predictions or you want to do best case scenario. My suggestion is we want to we want to predict the opening day roster. Spring trains, guarantee star pitchers and catchers are about to report, and I thought it'd be fun for us to go through and. Try to predict the opening day roster. Now, um, my question for you is should we do a prediction of who's going to be on the opening day roster? Or should we amend that somehow to reflect the fact that uh, Eugenio Suarez may not be back?
1: Well, I think we can have a who's the last guy if Suarez is back.
0: Okay. There we go. Yeah. Kind scenario. I mean, that's what seems uh, logical to me. So now the rosters this year are 26 players and only 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 13 can be pitchers only 13 pitchers how is anyone going to survive with only 13 pitchers jason lindsay I, I don't know it's only 13
1: pitchers i mean they're going to have to pitch more than half an inning each on on average every day
0: outrageous it's completely outrageous Rob manford is ruining baseball uh that actually may be true but not for that reason <laughs> days
1: of you know <laughs> reading about those, those baseball history books where you know and even even back in the olden days when rosters were thin e- anyway they would still take 16 or 17 pitchers to finish one game is is how i understand it
0: i'm pretty sure that's how that's how it works yeah. um so let's go position by position right now and let's try to see who who are locks right now and we'll count them up okay so All we'll, right. we'll start at catcher it seems to me there are two locks at catcher am i right
1: uh, I agree, yeah. Tucker and uh, Kirk Casale are both locks at catcher.
0: Tucker Barnhart, Kirk Casale. Now, uh, the sort of wild card here, This is if, if we were doing a Who's who's on Your Dream roster, I have Tyler Stevenson on the opening day roster. I think the chances of that are pretty slim.
1: Yeah. I am I'm I mean, what did he do? Hit 800 in spring
0: training? I think what he has to do is pull a Nancy Kerrigan on, uh, or a Tonya Harding on Kirk Casale's knee. Even then, yeah. I'm not sure it's enough. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm not either. He hasn't played a game at AAA A yet. I'm I'm hoping they'll start him at AAA, A, so I'll get to see him a little bit. But
0: yeah. Yeah, I fully expect him to start at AAA. A and but I'm hopeful that he performs there, is healthy, because uh twenty twenty one he could be your primary starting catcher in Cincinnati, or at least sharing time with uh you'd think Tucker Barnhart. So so two locks there, first base. Any locks at first base? Uh one Joseph
1: Daniel Votto. You think he's a lock? I think he's a lock, Chad. I really do.
0: They only owe him 107 million left. I, th- I think I think they'll probably designate him for assignment. Oh well,
1: we'll see.
0: We'll see. You might be right. The question is, who's Joey Votto going to be this year? And I really think that is, we, we, again, that's something that we've discussed before. But I think that's going to be a, play a big part in whether the Reds are that eighty. 485-win you know, team or whether they can be a 90-plus-win team. If Votto – he's not going to be the Votto of old, but if he can really improve his performance and maybe just even be the guy from not last year but the year before that led he the league in on-base percentage.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's still pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think that the, it makes this team a lot better. So, all right, so first base, your lock is uh, Joey Votto. Second base, it's uh, Moustakas. Moose. The Moose. Moose. Uh, Moose. Is this the Ooh. point? Is this the point in the podcast where I uh, interject the uh, theme song for uh, Northern Exposure, that old show? I think it is.
1: Yes, excellent reference.
0: If you're not old enough to get that, then just you know, hang up now. Or I don't know how you listen to this. If you listen to it on a phone. Do you hang up if you're listening to a podcast on a <laughs> phone? Log off, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. No, don't do that. Stick around. Um, yeah, Mustakas. I don't think anyone else is that you would classify as a second baseman necessarily as a lock right now, would you think?
1: No. Yeah, nobody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can talk about uh, the bench guys, and maybe Van Meter ends up being a guy that we put on the roster, but uh, we're just going with the locks right now around the diamond. Shortstop, uh, Freddie Galvis, I mean, you know, at this point, yep. he's – it sounds
1: like that's the way that that we're
0: going to go. And he's the only shortstop in in the organization, evidently. Now, third base. Let let's presume f- for now that Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, is back for opening day. I don't know that there's a whole lot of hope for that. But let's presume that he is. Is Eugenio Suarez a lock for the opening day roster if he's healthy?
1: <laughs> uh... it,
0: you're not going to answer? You afraid to go on the record of on this one? Of course, Chadwick. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, you're probably right. He hit seven trillion home runs last year. So
1: that is the precise number of home runs. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it is. So now, outfield. Who are our locks in the outfield?
1: Now this is where it gets a little bit complicated, isn't it?
0: It does indeed.
1: So I think I mean the obvious ones are Winkerson, Zell, Castellan, and, uh, Akiyama. And right. I also think that Irvin is more or less a lock. Really? Yeah. Cause he's out of options unless he gets traded. I think he's a lock. Yeah.
0: All right. So Castellanos, Shogo Akiyama, Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker. Again, we're yep. obviously we're presuming yep. a lot of health. Um, I think those four are locks. Yes. Um, You want to put Irvin in the lock category. I think unless he's traded, because he'd have to be DFA'd, and
1: if he gets DFA'd, he's getting claimed right away.
0: Which means that Aquino's not going to make it. If Irvin's a lock, then Aquino has no chance.
1: This is what I think happens. I think that um, Irvin, assuming everyone's healthy, Irvin starts the year on the team, and Aquino starts the year in Louisville. But Aquino is going to be the first person up the second somebody gets hurt. Mm -hmm. like, And he's going to get whatever playing time that person were to get. So, say, if Jesse Winker goes down, then Aquino is going to get Winker's playing time. Irvin is not. I think Irvin is going to be the fifth outfielder all year long.
0: Okay, I'm going to disagree with you there. So, I'm going to leave Irvin off the lock list since we're not agreed on it just yet. We'll discuss him in a moment when we talk about the backups. You could be right. I just... I want to like Philip Urban more than I do. He seems like a really nice guy.
1: He's, I mean, he. I'm not arguing that he's a gangbusters player. He just hits left handers and and is out of options and really hits left handers. And Jesse Winker really doesn't. And
0: yeah, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's. That gives us ten locks for for the eight position players. All right. Um. So let's let's go with that, and we'll leave Urban off for just a moment to to see who else we have here. Starting pitchers, locks. Luis Castillo, yes? Yes. Sonny Gray, yes? Yep. Trevor Bauer, yes? Yep. Wade Miley? Yep. Anthony DiScalifani? Yep. And again, presuming health, and we can you can never do that with pitchers especially. So, um, I mean, I think that's your starting rotation. I think it's uh, almost a dead lock right now. I don't think there's any way that changes without injury. Do you? No, not at
1: all. And, and Tyler Malley at number six is pretty good
0: right yeah no gosh absolutely you know i like that and if if, if he if somebody gets hurt and he, matt tatter malley has to be in the rotation darn you know i mean uh, we hope that doesn't happen We want everybody to be healthy but so i think right now that's probably the most set you know area on the team maybe um because the other well, maybe catcher i guess uh and, well, and shortstop are probably said everywhere else you kind of could see things happening uh, Their injury so causing uh, you know Moustakas to move to third things like that we'll talk about that relievers now um, I'm going to give you some some relievers and I'm going to ask you to say whether you think they are an absolute lock at this point we're up to 15 players uh, that, are, that are locks for the all right for the roster lay it night. on all right um, Razel Iglesias lock Amir Garrett lock Michael Lorenzen. Lock. Pedro Strope. Lock. Robert Stevenson.
1: Lock barring trade.
0: Alright, that gives us ten pitchers. Lucas Sims.
1: Uh lock barring trade or injury.
0: A lock, really, for Sims.
1: Yeah, he's out of options and he can throw.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with lock on him as well. I, and I, because I definitely want to hang on to that guy, he's got an arm. Yeah. Um, so that gives us six locks for the bullpen. So essentially, we're down to the last two. Um, so the question are: Who are those last two?
1: Well, one of them is Cody Reed, unless he gets traded.
0: You and I are in agreement that Cody Reed is on the roster, so we're gonna we're gonna add him because I think I, I, he's I, he is actually the the Robert Stevenson Memorial. I don't have any options bullpen arm this year. And I like it. I I love we've been fans of Cody Reed for a long time. He's got crazy upside. And yeah. Yeah. So so that leaves us essentially one bullpen spot. Who do we give it to?
1: Uh my guess right now and I mean there is going to be competition, but my guess is Nate Jones, I think. Mhm. There I mean, you know, there are four or five guys that it could be. Uh there's um was it Jose De Leon? Yeah. You know, Joel. there are a couple of possibilities, but I, I think Nate Jones is probably has the inside track.
0: I could see Joel Kunal. I could see Matt Bowman, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Thornburg. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if I – okay, we're going to go on the record here with our prediction for the roster, and we got to say who has the inside spot on that last one. I think I'm probably inclined to go with you on Nate Jones because I don't really have any feeling about any of these guys having much of an edge. Jones uh, is an interesting looking arm that could help this team, um,
1: and he's a non-roster guy. Um, I kind of feel like if you know he's coming off some injury, he, he has to show up, and if it looks like he's got something left, then he's good to go. And if not, if he doesn't have anything left, then he'll be cut pretty quick. I think. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. But, yeah. Let's you know, go.
1: The th- other all everybody else that you mentioned, I agree, and I'm sure they'll see time on the Reds at some point. But it's more a matter of breaking camp, and they have options. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna go with Jones then. I can deal with that. That gives that puts us up to twenty three. So we have three roster spots remaining. So we're gonna need a backup outfielder.
1: That's gonna take a while to get used to. By the way, I'm like, oh wow, only <laughs> two spots, and you're like, no, no, it's yeah.
0: three. We're gonna need a backup outfielder, and we're gonna need um, somebody to back up Freddie Galvis. Um, that's two of those three spots. You want to give one of the backup outfielders to Philip Urban, California. Well, I was gonna- Kyle Farmer yeah, probably he, has to they, have,
1: yeah,
0: a spot right.
1: Kyle Farmer is on a lock. He's he's a lock on the bench.
0: Okay, so we're going to add Kyle Farmer. We're up to twenty four now. Yeah. So here here are the guys that are in competition for that last spot. I guess or the last two spots. You have yeah. uh, Phil Irvin. You have Aristides Aquino. You have uh, Josh Van Meter. You have oh. Alex Blandino. Aren't those when, when you say those are the top four? possibilities for these last two spots?
1: I would, yes. And I think that I think that Blandino, does Blendino have options left?
0: This I don't know.
1: That's uh I would put Blendino just about last on that depth chart.
0: I would too, but he can play a little shortstop.
1: He can. He can, but, I mean, so can Farmer,
0: right? I mean... You know, a little is the is the operative term.
1: In theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Nino still has two options left. Wow,
0: okay. So he's probably... Well, Van Meter's got options as well, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could it, it, it may come down to who they feel like gives them more flexibility uh, around the infield. Of course, Van Meter can play outfield as well, but I'm not sure that's necessarily going to be an issue.
1: Okay. If this team doesn't need one thing right now, it's outfielder flexibility.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, it, what I could see happening is I think we're making an actual prediction on what's going to happen. I think you're going to be right about the outfit. I think Irvin gets that spot because of the options, and Aquino goes down. I think the team's probably slightly better with Aquino rather than Irvin, but uh, it's not a, enough to move the needle. You know, We're talking about the 25th guy on the roster.
1: Yeah, and it's it's also a matter of of kind of planning for the whole season and, and realizing that probably, you know, God, one of those seven thousand outfielders is going to get hurt at some point. You know, And who would you rather than have as your next option? Yeah, um, you know, and and you're not going to get you you're you're not going to be allowed to have Irvin as the next option because a team will claim him.
0: Right. So let's go with Irvin. That makes a lock as twenty five. And so who's the yep. last man on the roster? I think it's probably Josh Van Meter. Yeah,
1: I, I mean it's either Van Meter or Blandino. You know, you're you're right about the shortstop factor there. Um,
0: Which way do you see him going?
1: I, I still wouldn't be surprised if there were a little, some kind of little trade worked or something along those lines. You know, not not anything probably huge, um, but maybe outfield surplus traded for infield surplus, that kind of thing.
0: Well, you know, uh, Philip Irvin is a guy that you know you could see maybe for a backup shortstop or backup infielder or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a Freddie Galvis type. <laughs> You know, um, just to get some depth. I don't know. I think if the if we're going from the players we have right now, I think I'm going to say Van Meter to give us 26. Are you in or out on that one?
1: I'd Va- probably go with you, but if you ask me tomorrow, I might say Blendy, no. But yeah, again, I, he's the last guy on the roster, so.
0: Yeah, and I don't have any heartache, uh, whichever way they go. I like I like both those guys in that mm-hmm. role. Um, now, yeah. the question is, Eugenio Suarez is not ready for opening day. And I have my opinion on uh, what will happen in those Circumstances, uh, in terms of the roster shenanigans that have to go on. Do you want you mean to you mean to give you my thoughts, or do you want to go ahead and weigh in?
1: I, I would like to weigh in first. Go right ahead. I, I've been I've been waiting for a podcasting opportunity to say something about this.
0: Excellent, I want to hear it.
1: Because some folks on Twitter are real worked up, and they've determined for themselves already that uh, Suarez is is like down for the count, right? Wait, like for I, for the year? For for months and months. Oh come on, like. And I think this is nonsense. And the reason I think it's nonsense is this. If the Reds believed it was even a slight possibility that he would miss significant time, then they would be talking about Nick Senzel at second base and Mike Moustakis at third. But there hasn't been any indication unless I've missed something. In fact, they've gone out of their way to say that Nick Senzel is an outfielder, which tells me that. Suarez is expected to miss very little at any time at all um, and makes me believe that this really was a very minor injury that just kind of had bad timing. Um, and I think that what's most likely to happen in, in that circumstance is you'll have Van Meter or Moustakas or whoever playing, you know, third, or, you know, those those guys will shuffle around a bit second and third and and it'll work itself out. Or even, even Castellanos can play. He, I mean, he came up as a third baseman. Um, so you can figure something out there. It it seems to me. And I think that that's much, I think that's, what's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen if it has to, for something on the order of a week to 10 days.
0: So who gets the roster spot? Uh, mm,
1: probably probably Blandino. Yeah. Blandino comes play third.
0: Okay. I disagree uh, with what well, with some of what you say. I don't think it's a serious. I don't think there's any indication that it's serious. It could be, maybe they're hiding it from us. I don't think by any of the red's actions that there's evidence that it's more serious than what they say. Um he had a cannonball that went wrong in the pool. And what are you going to do? It happens. Happens to the best of us, Jay man. But what I think's gonna, but I think that uh sinceell will see time at second. base. I think what you're you haven't seen much about it. And I think part of the reason for that is Dick Williams actually said something uh, this past week that we felt like we owed it to Nick Senzel to let him have a position to focus on. He's played four different positions in four different springs for the Reds. And uh, they felt like it was important to let him know, you know, you're going to be an outfielder. And Sinzel has said that he was looking forward to being able to go and and know what he was going to be working on, know what he had to do going into the season. David Bell did make a comment in the wake of the Nick Castellanos signing that he could see Senzel getting time at second base. Um, I think what's going to happen is Aristides Aquino is going to make the opening day roster if Suarez is not already. And Senzel is going to get the bulk of the second base at-bats. And Moustakis is going to shift over third until he's back. Um, I think it's a short-term thing, but I think I think they're going to want to keep Senzel's... Uh, they're going to have to have... Ha- Use him flexibly. Is that a word? Flexibly. Yes. Um, because uh, you know uh, they got so many outfielders, and he has value around the diamond. So
1: that's the best line, best lineup for sure.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the best way to hide the what you lose offensively with Suarez being gone. You know, yeah. pl- plugging Kyle Farmer in at second base, or thir- or plugging you know Blandino in at third, or whatever. Ugh, you know, I mean, it's okay for a short period of time if we're talking a week to 10 days that we can live with it. But if it's, you know, if it's two weeks, if it's three weeks, if it's a month, uh, I, I would be very surprised if it's uh, more than a month. But uh, I think it'll be a month. No, I don't. I don't either. I don't see any indication of that. But um, I really kind of expect them to go with uh, with Sinzel at second and move uh, Moustakas over. We'll see.
1: OK, well, I, you know, you kind of might have convinced me. Um
0: we we may find out early in spring training when we start seeing where or uh, early after the the hitters report. Of course, Senzel's been out there for months in Arizona. Yeah. Well, and
1: Flores isn't really expected to be that far behind either. Um, so we might find out just kind of like when how quickly he starts to get into games will tell us things too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I expect him to play in spring training games, and so he he may not be that far behind. It may just be a matter of a week. Keep him out in uh, in Arizona for a week. Let him just get stronger and, and work it at, work more on the things he needs to do to get ready to play so i don't know at least at least they have options this year you know
1: Isn't it nice when it's like <laughs> oh my god one player is injured the season is over that that's not the thing anymore
0: i mean i still worry about their depth but they do have some more depth than they've had in years and so that's uh that's better uh you gonna answer a few uh viewer mail questions i always
1: always always want to answer listener mail questions chad
0: something sounded weird about the way you said that but we'll Power through See, you it. Think I've
1: let things go sometimes because I don't bring them up every time. I haven't let it go. I will never let anything go. I've noticed that.
0: Um, these questions come from Patreon.com/slash/RedlegRadio, where you too can support us uh, and get your um, viewer mail questions answered. Get priority on that if you want. Also, join us on our crazy Slack channel where uh, people talk about all kinds of crazy stuff all day long, and uh, you know, sort of hang out uh, with the uh, the patron that's on the uh, on the pirate ship. Mike Mannix has the first. Question: Do you remember that show, Mannix?
1: Mannix, that's that's a name right there.
0: Oh man, it's fantastic. His question is: Does your viewer mail arrive in stacks or sacks?
1: Well, you're the you're the address that it all goes to, Chad. So I think that this question goes to you.
0: As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Here we go. We the Red Leg Nation Millback. Joe Farsing asks, better Fry, Lonnie, Glenn, or French? Lonnie Fry, Glenn Fry, or French Fry? Now, do you have any, uh, you're a music guy. Um, I want to know your thoughts on Glenn Fry. Mm. What? You You can quote me on that. Let me tell you what I have to say about it. I hate the blinking eagles. Oh no, that was that was uh that was the big Lebowski that hates the Eagles.
1: The Eagles are fine.
0: Oh, they're garbage. Yeah, they're fine. They're not really garbage, but I like uh, you know Yeah. Picking up that particular uh some people get mad when you say stuff like that. Um I, I, okay now now French fry, obviously that's a strong choice.
1: It's a very strong choice.
0: You know. But now I to ask this though. Do we still have French fries, or are they still Freedom Fries?
1: I, oh, I think they've been French fries again for a while.
0: Oh, I didn't know if that legislation had expired. Um, Lonnie Fry, I'm going with Lonnie Fry on this. Lonnie Fry, an underrated Cincinnati Red, argument for being certainly at least the top three second baseman in uh, in Reds history. Are you a fan of the Lonnie Fry? Wait, wait, a, a top three? Don't you think top three? You, are
1: you dishonoring? Are you dishonoring? Scooter Jeanette, hashtag
0: Chad <laughs> hates Scooter. Oh, here we go. Everybody,
1: Chad hates Scooter.
0: Hash Brown, Chad hates Scooter. Um, I'm going to say Scooter's number four in honor of his four home runs in one game. Lonnie Fry's probably your number three second baseman in Reds history to me. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's probably about right. Behind Joe Morgan and uh, the legend himself, Brandon Phillips. Um. You know, he had, uh, how many years? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in Cincinnati. Three All-Star games. Uh, you know, I mean, just uh, he was a really solid player for the Reds. Uh, back-to-back seasons of uh, right at six wins above replacement. Uh, you know, he was good. So, you, I'm going with Lonnie Fry. You're going with Glenn Fry.
1: No, I'm going with either Lonnie Fry or French Fry.
0: Well, you got to make a choice here, man. You
1: can't, you can't you need French like Fry, so-
0: man. French Fry. It's a solid choice. I can't really argue with you on it. Andrew Scott Wills asks, Will there ever be a day when the Reds make a move to avoid the luxury tax? Hash Brown, do or male. Uh You know, it's a, it's, something's wrong with the world. The Boston Red Sox are trying to cut payroll to avoid the luxury tax. They can't afford to re-sign Mookie Betts. And yet the Reds are, again, the Reds are right in the neighborhood of an average payroll. It's not like they're breaking the bank. But uh, they're at least spending this offseason in uh, contrast to many other teams. What do you think about well, that, that nonsense with the Red Sox?
1: Well, well, let's be clear. The Red Sox can afford to sign Mookie Betts. They just don't want to.
0: That's not what uh, I've been, uh, been reported by your, your local beat reporter or your local national reporter from the TheAthletic.com. Uh, not one of the local Reds guys, but uh, there's a guy over there that keeps reporting. His initials are Ken Rosenthal that uh, they, just, they don't have the financial flexibility to be able to keep Mookie Betts, and isn't it awful?
1: Yeah, okay, well, the team is worth $3.2 billion.
0: Their ownership group owns Liverpool. I mean, this is one of the, you know, uh, they print money, Liverpool does. Um, yes. And the Red Sox print money.
1: Yeah, it's nonsense. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if the Reds ever make a move to avoid the luxury tax, saying they can't afford something, I will say to them the same thing I would say to the Red Sox. Let me see your books and then I'll believe you.
0: Yeah, um, although the flip side is I kind of hope there is a day when the Reds make a move to avoid the luxury attack because then that means our peril is way higher than it is now. So at yeah, least, that would be nice. Yeah. No, that's a silver lining, I guess. Um, uh, uh, the corollary, if this bet's trade ended up going through, uh, you know, I hate the Dodgers. I just have an instinctive reaction to want to hate the Dodgers. That team really wants to win a World Series. You know, they, they keep getting close, and but... You know, they are trying everything they can to win. They're probably trying harder than any team in the majors to win a World Series. Wouldn't you think?
1: I would think so, yes.
0: Isn't it sad that that's not the Reds?
1: Well, the Reds are probably... The Reds are coming in maybe a strong second on that, don't you think? Nah, the Reds aren't trying at
0: all. They're lazy. That's just it. They just can't, you know, bring themselves to try to do anything. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I've lost my mind. I don't even know how to... Evaluate baseball anymore when the Red Sox are cutting payroll, and the Reds are actively trying to, uh, to add payroll. The Reds have signed real free agents this year, not just you know a couple of relievers. Well, what is it? It's isn't it like? I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it? It's. Yeah, I still don't even know how to. Yeah, I can't even. Like that.
1: this season is three of the top four free agent contracts in Reds history, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's completely insane.
1: Yeah.
0: It's just I don't know how to uh, – it's like a whole new world that we're having to get adjusted to.
1: It it truly is. It truly is.
0: So the next question comes from our friend Joe Farsing at uh, patreon.com slash Radio. Uh, he likes asking questions. I think he just likes to hear his name said. But this is a good question. It's something that I've had a discussion with uh, some people about. How much ineptitude is worth a world title? The Marlins have two championships – but have been unconscionably, unconscionably awful for the other twenty-one years of existence. Basically, if the Reds were to win this year, it would be worth a decade of mediocrity, fifteen years of mediocrity. Um, you know, we've seen three decades of mostly bad baseball here uh, in Cincinnati, with a couple of uh, you know bumps in the uh, in the uh, graph. Um, I don't know. The answer is yes, probably to me, two championships. That's amazing. You know, but man, they're so embarrassing. The Marlins are every other year that that, that'd be tough. This is what I think.
1: And I've complicated feelings about it, but really what it comes down to is my belief that it's not never okay to lose on purpose. I've just, I've gotten over the whole tanking thing. I, I, I've come to the opinion that the tanking is really just an excuse for ownership to hoard profits for a few years. Um, and I'm just over it. And, and I, you know, I can, it, I could put up with, with several bad years. If it was a matter of, I knew they were trying and things just weren't going that way, but I don't want none of this stuff where the teams tank and lose 104 games or whatever. Uh, none of that. No, no, no.
0: I'm to the point where, you know, baseball is a diversion for me and we spend more time talking about it and thinking about it than most people do. But uh, I just want to be entertained and, yeah, you know, if the if the Reds ne- if I knew the Reds were never going to win a championship for the rest of my life, and there's a pretty good chance that's going to be the case, but um, if I knew that for a fact, but they were going to be you know competitive or at least trying to be competitive every year the rest of my life, I'd probably take it. You know, they're in the mix. It's fun to watch a, a team that's a, you know a better than average team and and maybe has a chance to make the playoffs and maybe does make the playoffs sometimes and sometimes they don't. I, I don't know. I, I think I would prefer that to you know, two championships and be in the Marlins the rest of the time.
1: You know, it's, it's also worth noting. And I think this is something that sports fans in general forget too much. And we'll just use baseball. Cause that's, you know, we're a baseball podcast, but there are 30 teams. That means on average, your team is supposed to win the world series once every 30 years. <sighs>
0: so this is our you know, year then
1: it's been 30 years, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, you see my point though, right? right. Like, you know, everybody can't win all the time. It doesn't work that way, right? Uh, I, you know, I just I'm kind of like you. I just want to see them trying to win. I want to see them trying to win, and if it goes our way, then great. It goes it Goes our way.
0: Yeah, there's so many things that can happen. But if you're in the in the mix uh, all season long, basically, you get a chance. It's fun to watch. It's fun to follow. And if you fall short, oh well. Yeah, you know, we'll get them next year. But uh, I, yeah, I don't want to be the Marlins. Dennis Papasan asks, I'm 57 and have lived in Texas all my life. I'm a lifelong Reds fan and can't can't imagine rooting for another team. If the Cincinnati Reds had never existed, what team do you believe you would have latched onto and why? Now this is different from the question we get every once in a while of you know who's your who's your second favorite team or who's your favorite American League team or something like that? If the Cincinnati Reds had never existed, what team do you believe you would have latched onto and why for me a pretty easy answer I think it probably would have been the Atlanta Braves. Um, because you know, t- growing up, TBS had all the Braves games on, and that's about the only place to watch baseball most of the time. And and my brother got lured into that. One of my three brothers did. The others are Reds fans, but one of them, the one whose name was wrong in the newspaper is a Braves fan. And uh, I think I probably would have been a Braves fan, and that would have been really sad to get up every morning and look in the mirror and realize that I was a fan of the Atlanta Braves.
1: Listen, it gets worse.
0: <laughs> oh no, let's hear it.
1: Because where I live, it's the Reds Triple A team now. Oh,
0: well, I, I know. Yeah, I know but where you're for going. For a
1: long time it was the Cardinals triple A team. Yeah. There are a lot of Cardinals fans around here, and the Cardinals are the closest major league team to me that's not Cincinnati. So I don't see how there's any way I avoid becoming a
0: Cardinals fan. Oh boy, I would have ended up way better than you. There but for the grace of God go I, Chad. But you know what? We'd have been celebrating some competitive teams over the last uh, you know, twenty five years. It's true. <laughs> We'd have a lot more fun, probably. We right? have a
1: Stockholm Syndrome, Chad.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think so. Why do the Reds exist? Mike Hart asks, could the Reds not have made a better offer for Mookie Betts? That seems like a steal for the Dodgers. Uh, that was my thought, was that the Reds couldn't have ponied up for that. And maybe they would have, maybe, I don't know, I think they should have anyway if they could have, but uh, didn't it seem like the Red Sox just handed him away for a, a fairly light return? I mean, the the Dodgers didn't have to give up anybody, really. Yeah. Any of, their, I mean, any, of their, any of their guys they were really counting on, any of their top top guys. Uh,
1: I but they did have to agree to take on, what, something like $40 million in payroll, right? They did. They did, but, you know. Well, that's a thing where the, the Reds just weren't going to do that. That's
0: true. That's true. So the Reds could have made a better offer player-wise, but, yeah. the, the Because the Red Sox, bless their hearts, they're poor. They had to cut payroll. I hate Um, you know I've hated the Red Sox for as long as I can could have lived, and I'm hating them even worse now. And you know I watched that Super Bowl the other night and they had this commercial with uh, all these guys uh, doing the Boston accent. I'm like, they're probably Red Sox fans, so I'm not going to buy whatever car was being uh, advertised in that uh, in that advertisement because uh, it's Boston. I'm I'm anti-Boston. This podcast is now officially anti-Boston. Can you sign on to that?
1: I can sign on to that. Yes. Okay. There we go. Then I'm in.
0: The real Todd father asks: Other than a lack of infield depth, what if any other weaknesses do you see on our 2020 Redlegs? Uh, I think we kind of talked about earlier. Potentially the bullpen, but I could also see the bullpen coming together really nicely. Uh, I think everybody's got a weakness in the bullpen around the baseball, as far as I can tell.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, my, I think everybody knows my stance, but it always bears repeating, which is that I don't believe in relief pitchers at all, and I think you can flip a coin as to and, and do as good a job figuring out who has the best bullpen in baseball this year as you can by looking at stats. Uh,
0: yeah. The Reds have enough arms out there that are, uh, you know, nice to look at that. they You could absolutely see, absolutely see this group being a fantastic bullpen, but you could see them because you don't know. You just don't know. You're right. Jason. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's just,
1: yeah. lack of a lack of infield depth, which is a problem. A lot of teams have, you know, the, the Reds two weakest positions are, are probably catcher and shortstop. And those are the two weakest positions on most teams.
0: Yeah. Before the uh, winter began, just after last season, we talked on the podcast about where the Reds had to upgrade. And, and of course, we thought outfield. I mean, really, my my opinion was if they started the season with with Aristides Aquino as your presumptive starter in right field, you've probably not improved your team uh, enough. But the, the two positions that most people identified were catcher and shortstop and the Reds did not improve at catcher and shortstop at all. And yet still, I'm pretty happy with what they were able to do. You know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have seen that coming, I guess is the way what I would say. Ready.
1: And, you know, I was encouraged also, I will say, and I think I said this on the podcast before, but um, the better fielding metrics that we got this year through the release of outs above average for infielders uh, really put Freddie Galvis in a nice light. Uh, and it, it made me really wonder if maybe the, the Reds knew something defensively there that we did not know. And it really put Didi uh, Gregorius in a poor light. And it made me wonder the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I can't believe that I'm saying that the Reds did not improve. Or <laughs> starting the season with Galvis as their shortstop, I said to you before if, they, if Galvis is your shortstop, we, we got problems. And now I've talked myself into believing, well, they've improved so much everywhere else. You know, Galvis he's got some pop and uh, defensively pretty good. Mm, we can live with him. He's not my ideal choice for a shortstop, but I guess we can live with him.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's not ideal, but you know, you, you your options are what they are. And really, I mean, not at least so far, no shortstop for all the talk of all the shortstops who are on the market. And that's really what we were focusing on was acquiring free trade, because yeah. Didi was the only one on the on the free right. agent market you'd
0: even think about. Nobody's moved. Yep. You know, so uh, um, it could be a case where where that could still happen around the trade deadline or something. Yeah, at
1: this point, it's you can't even say. Well, the Reds should have just made a better offer. It's no, no, no trades have happened.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, that's the Reds may be waiting to see if they can still upgrade that position uh, sometime mid-season. But uh, as of now, it looks like that's where we are. And uh, okay, I'm all right with it. Woo the Reds asks, Jason. You like to say woo the Reds? Uh, I uh, well, you know, some people do. Sometimes I do. <laughs> If Tyler Stevenson, we were at a uh, high school basketball game the other day. Uh, they, a friend of mine and I, we, for some reason, broadcast uh, high, our local high school basketball games. Uh, they asked us to do it, and so we're goofing around with it. And uh, the guy that I broadcast with, he, uh, he said he was going to start the woo at the, this high school basketball game. And I thought that would be an exceptionally bad idea. So I dislike the woo in all its forms. Including in the woo, the Reds form. I love the woo, the Reds form. I love the woo that's actually happening at the game. I think do what you want to do. If Tyler Stevenson doesn't start the year in AAA, Woo asks, should that end any hope of him being called up any time before the rosters are expanded? Would that be the Reds signaling that 2021 is the earliest he should be expected to help the major league club? Yeah, I think if he if he starts at AA, I think there's that he's not going to be here anytime next year certainly. But I don't think he's I don't think he's going to start at AA. I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to start at AAA, but I
1: will say that if he starts at AA, I don't think it necessarily rules anything out. Um, Because last year, you know, it could be a a circumstance where he gets half a season at AA, half a season at AAA, and then, you know, when the Louisville season ends, which is basically when rosters expand, he could still get called up. It just depends on how he hits. So we'll see, but I, I really anticipate that he'll start the season at Louisville.
0: Yeah, I would be exceptionally surprised if he made it to the big leagues in twenty twenty if he doesn't start the year at Triple A. If he does start the year at Triple A, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh that he'll be he'd be called up at some point. I mean, I just, you know he's on the forty man roster and if the catchers get hurt, and I I could see it happening, presuming that he performs at Triple A, which he has not yet. Derek Moser asks, someone with Prospects Live, I'm not sure I know what Prospects Live is. Um, maybe you do, Jason. Someone with Prospects Live ranked Jose Garcia as the 28th ranked prospect in all of baseball. He finished 100th on the composite list. Who's a prospect that you've had a similarly similarly optimistic outlook on, and were you right? So with, with respect to similarly optimistic outlook on, um, maybe a guy that's, uh, you know, a prospect, but that we rank higher than everyone else. I think that's the way he's asking that question. Oh, it's a tough one. I, yeah, I may I may go with Tyler Malley, and I don't know we're right yet or not, but I've been saying for years I like the fact that he just yeah gets people yeah. out. Tyler Mally. Yeah. yeah, we've been talking about him for years because he gets people out. He always has, and I still, I'm still high on him. So that's probably the guy for me that I can think of. And, and whether we're right or not, we'll find out over the next couple of years. Anyone yeah, else you I, think of? Well,
1: I, I think I can claim Amir. I think I was higher on Amir than most people were. Um, I think everybody else was focusing on. Stevenson especially and and I thought that either Reed or Amir had a better had a chance of being better than Stevenson Um, and then you know if I'm going to own to being wrong I would say that at this point we have to say that I was wrong about Jose Peraza
0: yeah yeah although as the Red Sox get rid of everybody else it looks like Peraza and Billy Hamilton are in line to get some big big at bats this year for for Boston
1: boy if somebody had told you that two or three years ago
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Um, I, I can't think of really anyone else. That'd be a good question. I may have to do some more thinking on that one. But just for current guys, you know, Cody Reed's a guy that I was also really optimistic on. And I still think I could end up being somewhat right on him. I, I, I'm not. i not giving up on Cody Reed. Uh,
1: and of course, depending on our definition of prospect, because he had some big league time when the Reds got a hold of him. But I will never stop trumpeting my rightness about Eugenio Suarez. Never, ever, ever. You like Gino. I liked him from the start.
0: I didn't. I, I disliked him from the start because, you know, you watch him out on the field and he's got such a bad attitude and he never smiles. And I just don't like watching players like that. And he wears his hat oh, sideways. You're fired.
1: You're fired.
0: <laughs> you can't fire me from my own podcast.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Chad's mom. He's not allowed on his podcast anymore.
0: Oh, man. This is the worst. Uh, that goes into our final question here. comes from Rich Thompson. Rich asks... From what I have read about Pedro Strope, he is a quality guy, both on and off the field. And I think there has been plenty of reporting about that. And he's another guy I'm glad to have, uh, even if he wears his hat a little askew. I am also guessing that he might have a lighthearted spirit, much like Eugenio Suarez. With that said, I bet he likes to bring a little fun to the ballpark each game. Therefore, if he does not have a walk-on song from out of the bullpen, I think it would be fun that he consider an adaptation of Billy Squire's song, The Stroke, instead change the title to The Strope. And uh, sing-along chorus lyrics for the fans could be Strope, man, strope, man, strope, strope. Rich, uh, he puts some thought into these questions every single week, and he really puts some thought into this one. Question is, do you have any other worthy talk- walk-on songs to consider for Pedro Strope? Uh, Fly Me to the Moon? No, that was Todd <laughs> Frazier. Um, what, I'm just was, to... what was Don't the you... one uh, the, 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 for Chapman? back in the day. That's the best one. Uh, what was Chapman's? Uh, Somebody's got to tell me. that That's the best one for any reliever. Um, I, you know, no, I don't have any other words. I'm going to go with uh, Fly Me to the Moon or perhaps uh, I've Got You Under My Skin by uh, by Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you just have that one, Chad. Oh, you know what I will go with, actually? What? Glory Days. Then Stroke could throw that speedball by him. Make him look like a fool, man. You're fired again. Oh, come on, Jason. You can't fire me for my own podcast. All right. Well, I've been fired, so I guess that's a place to uh, stick a pin in this one. Uh, You know how to subscribe to the podcast. Everywhere you find your podcast, you can find Red Lake Nation Radio. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, Click the, you know, review rating button. Give us good reviews. Tell your friends about us. That's more important. Spread the word about this uh, crazy show that – I'm just amazed that uh, more listeners every week, and you guys are just f- absolutely fantastic. Follow us at redlegnation.com dot uh, com every day. We're at RedLeg Radio on Twitter. Boy, I tell you, what, I've done this uh, 309 times, and I still can't get it right. Jason Linden, RedLeg Radio on Twitter. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. And Jason, you're just got to say something at this point because I'm, you know, I've lost it.
1: All right. Well, you know, for Chad Dotson. And uh, Pedro Strope. This is Jason Linden saying good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from redlegnation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app and join us for discussion of all things Reds at redlegnation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.